You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Thank him for taking a weekend to be with us. And would you give me a warm, uh, help me give a warm welcome to Bishop Stan Gleason. Well, let's clap our hands to the Lord Jesus because there's nobody like him. And Jesus is in the house. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. And uh, as soon as I feel the presence of God when I'm in a sanctuary worshiping with God's people, my uh, spirit always is at peace. And we're always feeling after the Lord. And this praise team has done a great job today of leading us into the presence of God. And sure, go ahead and thank them. They do. They did. They did great. It's an honor to be here. You may be seated. That's my four favorite words in church. Uh, it's an honor to be here to be invited back to Calvary Church. And we've been here many times. In fact, as I was flying into Cincinnati last night. I couldn't help but think about how God has been so good to me here in Cincinnati. And uh, Elder Norman Pasley, the first, saw something in me I didn't see myself. And he helped me to identify a call of God on my life. And I've often thought, where would I be today without that man watching like Jonathan had his eye on David and he has blessed me my whole life and then Norman R. Pasley too was my dearest and best friend beside the Lord and my sweet wife in the whole world and it I have to be honest I'm I'm a little melancholy being here today thinking about him And uh, I told the beautiful, the gracious, the lovely, the Queen Janine this morning that uh, even when I'm with my grandchildren, sometimes I feel guilty. And I think about how Norman would enjoy his grandchildren so much. But he's healed and he's with the Lord and he can't come here, but we can all go to be with him someday. And that's going to be heaven in heaven. Now we'll have heaven on earth, but we'll have heaven in heaven. And so it's, it's just a joy to be here. And happy birthday to Janine Pasley. In case you're wondering, 39. That's correct. And uh, she and my wife uh, have a great friendship and... Um, they were somewhat instrumental in bringing my wife and I together. And the Lord has been good to us. And uh, Pastor Tom, Pastor Kristen, and sweet little Emma, and Audrey and Ava, we honor this first family, and we thank God for all of you. And I'm excited about this morning and this evening, and it's a great honor to be invited 
to uh, participate. And so we're going to look to the word of the Lord today, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. But you, somebody say you, turn to somebody and point your finger in a holy, godly, Christian way and say you. <laughs> you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Some people are a royal something, but. Then I sort of minister right there. Am I operating in the gifts right right there? (laughs) But the Bible said you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Look at that chosen, royal, holy, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him. Who called you out. Everybody say he called us out. He called us out out of darkness. And he called us into. Say he called us into. He called us into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people. But now are the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy. But now have obtained mercy. And then quickly. Ephesians 4. 11. Ephesians 4.11, and he, meaning Jesus, Jesus, the founder of the church, the visionary of the church, the purchaser of the church, the bishop of our souls, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and here's why, for the equipping of the saints. Everybody say, equip the saints. Equip the saints so that they can turn around and do the work of ministry for the purpose of edifying the body of Christ. By the help of the Lord, I would like to speak to you this morning on the subject, the priesthood of the believers. From From Peter's language, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Would you say a priesthood of believers? I, as Pastor Tom said, I've been privileged to serve at the Life Church. Sister Reed, lovely to see you. Uh, At the Life Church, senior pastor, 34 years. And I will tell you that I serve some of the greatest people on the face of the earth. And I know there are people here just like them. I don't know all of you very well, but the fact that you're here, the fact that, the fact that you're shined up and smelling good and looking good and lifting up your hands and opening your mouths and, and I feel harmony and I feel unity and I feel humility and, and yet, and yet I feel the grace of God at work in every one of our lives today. I'm among the finest people that Cincinnati, Ohio and the regions beyond has to offer. Are you thankful that you're a chosen generation? You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's peculiar, special people. I tend to have a very high view of the people of God. I know that I'm up here on a platform 
I know that you're looking up at me, but I don't mind looking up at you because you're the heroes of the faith. You're the heroes of the faith. If you're living for God, if you open your Bible every day and spend time in God's Word, if you have a prayer life, if you seek after the Lord, not just when you're on this campus, but you're, you're not just a Christian two hours a week, but you're a follower of Christ 24-7, 365, sold out, committed, all in, amen, living the best life you can, not because we're legalistic, but because of the grace of God at work in you. Paul said, it is God at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's not because we're good, but because he's good. And we're sitting together today in heavenly places. Everybody say, heaven on earth. There's a lot to that phrase, heaven on earth. And I have a very high view of the saints. Amen. Everybody say saints. Not New Orleans. Saints. In fact, since I'm from Kansas City, and since... The Bengals put a whooping on the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. I bow. Oh, that was hard. But 2022 is another year. And hope springs eternal. Amen. But I have a very high view of the saints. Do you know what Paul said? You're called to be a saint. Not an ain't. You're called to be a saint. Called. Called to be a saint. That ought to mean something to you. If you're born again of the water and of the spirit, you're called To be a saint of God. Did you know that that gives you status? Everybody say status. Do you like status? I like status. Oh, yeah. When I'm walking up the parking lot, does the front door of Sam's Club? And I see people out there, they, they don't let them in. They don't have one of these babies. Well, just use your imagination. This is my hotel card, but pretend it's my Sam's card. I got a Sam's card in my wallet, yeah. And they're all there. You know, they don't get in, but I just flash my card. And I walk right into Sam's. Oh, it makes me feel like a million bucks. (laughs) Status, baby. That's what I'm talking about. And when I was flying in here yesterday, I buy an economy seat. But because of my status, I'm Delta Platinum. Not diamond yet. I'm platinum. I'm not silver. I'm not gold. I'm platinum. And usually I get upgraded to first class because I'm a first class guy. 
I can see you're a first-class church. And I sit in that first-class seat. I paid for the cheap seat, but I get to sit in the expensive seat because I have status. <laughs> Come on. Let me just preach on that for a minute. None of us deserve to be here. Amen. None of us. We were sinners. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you have status in the kingdom. You're a nobody from nowhere. Didn't do anything to deserve it, to earn it. But we've got status, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're his chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy. Holy nation. Woo! Man. Talk about an upgrade. And I'm sitting in that first class seat and all these people are walking by me. I'm already sipping a ginger ale. How did I get the Ron Newstrand face right there? I don't know. Something came over me. My former district superintendent here in Ohio. And these people are walking by, and I'm like, keep moving. Go sit back there with the commoners. I got status. Don't you like status? It's nice. I don't mean this in a, in a proud, braggadocio way when I'm talking about the kingdom. You're a saint. Listen, God doesn't make junk. God doesn't have any throwaways. God doesn't make mistakes. You are a royal priesthood. So live like a priest. This isn't just Bible allegory. This isn't just Bible metaphors. Oh, that's nice. We're a royal priest in the holy nation. Where are we going to lunch? No, 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 no. Don't miss your entitlement. If you're a call to be a saint, and you are, you're called to be a saint. Three times the scripture said, called to be saints. That means, the word saint means holy. It means set apart. It means redeemed. Isn't that a wonderful word? Redeemed. A saint. You're called to be a saint. You have relationship. The reason you have status is if you have relationship with God. So... If you're a royal priesthood, and when we think of priests, when I think of a priest, I think of the Old Testament. And this high priest would go behind the veil. In fact, it would take him six hours to go through the whole liturgical process of the tabernacle. And he would offer the lamb at the brazen altar, and he would go into the holy place, which was covered, and on the right was the table of showbread. On the left was the golden candlestick. And in front of him was, was the altar of incense. And I probably should have had a graphic up there and showed you the tabernacle plan. And, 
And then there was a veil that separated man from what was called the Ark of the Covenant. It was the focal point. It was the vortex of the glory of God. And the Ark was a box. And inside the box there was Aaron's rod that budded. That represents spiritual authority. And there was the the Ten Commandments that represents the Word of God. And there was uh, the pot of manna that represents God's provisions. And aren't you glad that we have spiritual authority in the church and we have the Word of God in the church and we have the miracles and the provisions and the goodness of God in the church. Amen. Because we're the priests. We're the priests and we have access to spiritual authority and we have access to the Word of God that, that hung the worlds and and that framed the world and we have access to the provisions of God and then on top of the ark of the covenant was the mercy seat where the priest would take the blood from the animal that was sacrificed at the brazen altar and he would dip a hyssop branch in the blood and then he would carry the blood all the way past the labor of water and and into the holy holy place and then he would pass through the veil into the holy of holies one man once a year and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and if he did everything in obedience to God's word that that God had prescribed the glory of God we call it the Shekinah that's actually not a biblical word but we call it the Shekinah glory would come down in the form of a cloud and it would lick up all that blood and the priest would start dancing and and worshiping and thanking God and and the people would be on the outside they weren't priests they couldn't go in they couldn't experience that but they would listen and he had bells sewn in the hem of his garment and when he would whirl around and praise the Lord for all of the blessings and rolling back the judgment of their sins again the people would shout and the priest would come out of that moment after six hours and he would lift his hands in front of the congregation and he would say it is finished (laughs) does that sound like anything Oh, yes, it does. Jesus Christ was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning, and he hung on the cross till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's no coincidence that it took him six hours to do his priestly work on the cross. Every hour that was passing in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, one prophecy at least an hour was being fulfilled. He was doing the priestly work of the cross for your salvation so that you, my friend, that we wouldn't have to to watch the pastor just get in the presence of God, but that all of us could come, all of us could act like priests, all of us could enjoy his blessing, all of us could serve him and have a place at his table and be a priest unto God. I'm not preaching to losers today. I'm not preaching to wannabes today. I'm not preaching to people that don't have a clue. I'm preaching to a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You've got a purpose. You've got a ministry. You've got an assignment. Turn to somebody and say, I'm a priest. Everybody all right? I'm having fun today. Holy Ghost fun. Wow. If you're a priest, then you are. Start acting like one. 
You're not a slave. You're not in bondage. You're not a throwaway. You're not an afterthought. God has plans for your life. God has big plans. He told Jeremiah, I've got plans for you. Huh? I got plans for you. I read about a pastor. He, uh, he got up in front of his church. He said, if God died today, some of you wouldn't know it for six months. And they went, looked at him like a cow at a new gate. What do you mean, pastor? He said, you wouldn't know it. You don't have a daily prayer life. You're not listening for the voice of God. You don't need anything. You got bank accounts and MasterCard and Visa and you're healthy and you're well and you don't need God so you don't talk to him. You don't reach out to him. You don't, you don't pursue relationship with him. You wouldn't know it for six months. And I want to ask you a question today. Are you utterly and completely depending on the Lord? And do you have a desire to be engaged and to be involved and to be on his team and not live beneath your privilege anymore, but step up into your status of the priesthood. I want you to know, my friend, that all of the power in the church is not on the platform, but there's a lot of power in them that are pews right now. There's power in you. There's power in you. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a little church history lesson. In the fourth century, in the fourth century, the greatest robbery that ever happened in a church happened. Now, I know Pastor Joel Osteen and Lakewood Church about a few years ago, somebody stole $600,000 out of their church. That's not the greatest robbery that ever happened in the church. The greatest robbery that ever happened in the church happened in the fourth century. Now, listen to me, you traditional Pentecostals. I'm getting ready to rock your world. Traditional Pentecostals are happy to come to church three times a week, pay their tithes, and sing in the choir. And thank God for tithe payers, and thank God for choir members, and thank God for faithful saints. But you're destined for more than that. You have a privilege, you have a status card that you got punched at Calvary when you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can walk by tradition, you can walk by just coming to church. You let the commoners do that. You say, wait a minute, I'm destined for more than that. I can get involved in more than that. I can be more than that. I've got miracle power because I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I can cast out devils. I can act like a priest. I can get in the presence of God. Amen. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Who is that? That's the priests among us. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I can go teach a Bible study. I can pull somebody out of the pit of this world. I can take a drug addict and I can give him the word of God and his life can be changed. The pastor doesn't have to do that. I can do that. Priests. Act like priests. The biggest church robbery was the fourth century. When the leadership of the church said, 
Oh, no, 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 no. We're the spiritual ones. You just come and sit there and listen to what we tell you to do. In fact, you won't even have any Bibles. We'll have all the Bibles. Am I right? We'll have all the Bibles. And we'll tell you what the Bible says. And we'll tell you what to think about it. We are the de facto interpreters of the Bible. And when we say jump, you get up in the air. And while you're up there, say how high. And then we'll tell you. And you know what happens when there's absolute power. It corrupts. Absolutely. They took the ministry from the saints. And they came up with a term called clergy. Another term called laity. That are not biblical. They're not apostolic. You won't find it in the book of Acts. It's a church history invention that stole the priesthood. And I'm ticked off about it. In a nice Christian way. Yeah, because too many of us are not living in our status of what we can be. We think that if we run into somebody at Walmart or at school or the neighborhood and they don't feel good, we got to call the pastor. Why do you need to do that? Did Jesus say these signs shall follow the pastors? Did he say these signs shall just follow the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers? Or did he say these signs shall follow the believers? And let me tell you something. This church is one miracle away, not from being wrought by the hand of the pastor, but by the hand of a saint who has status with God. Amen. It's time for you to have some miracles. I'm going to get to that in a minute in the Bible. But the apostles aren't the only ones that had miracles. They aren't the only ones that were baptizing. Come on. Priests get to baptize. Priests baptize. Because that's spiritual. I know pastor loved it because I know pastor's heart. And I'm going to tell you something. What we don't need is insecure leadership in the church. In fact, a young man started coming to our church. And God was using him in miracles. And he came up to me about a second Sunday and he said, can I pray for the sick? I'm like, Yeah, but then my sarcasm was checked by the Holy Ghost, and the Lord spoke to me and said, he's asking you because he has a gift, and where he's exercised that gift in the past has been shot down because his star was shining brighter than somebody else's star. I said, you listen to me, young man. If you pray for 50 people, and they come out of wheelchairs and come out of hospital beds and come out of the cemetery, praise God. And I pray for 50 and they all, and we bury every one of them. We need your gift and we need your anointing and we need your faith. Listen, your miracle's my miracle and your blessing's my blessing because you're my brother, you're my sister. Your revival is my revival. If I baptize 10 and you don't baptize any, we baptize 10. Praise God. That's the only way it's going to work and that'd be something good for me to preach tonight. Amen. At the unity rally. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's time for us to start living like priests don't just live like a come and go church member they said we're the clergy 
Clergy means holy, educated. They said, you're the laity. Laity means unlearned, ignorant. Jeff Arnold said, that means stupid but powerful. I think he was referring to Acts 4.13 when the Bible says, Then they beheld the boldness of Peter and John and took knowledge of them and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Listen, if you've been with Jesus, you're going to have power with Jesus. If you've been with Jesus, you're going to have faith with Jesus. If you've been with Jesus, it's not going to be you doing the work. I can't heal anybody. I can't redeem anybody. But I know one who can, and he needs me to help him because I got the skin on. I'm his voice, I'm his hands, I'm his feet, I'm his priest. I'm a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. So if you're a priest, you got to have a temple. Priests have temples. And you've got three of them. First one is right here. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I think it is. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's how I know you're a priest because you got a temple and you got to take care of that temple. Huh? The Bible said don't defile. Any man defile that temple. There's a penalty for that. This is why we don't just live for God two hours a week because we're called to do it. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. When we leave here, we actually live for God. Let me tell you what's different in an apostolic church than any other church in town. Christians are lazy today. I don't even know how many people are populating churches houses today that have actually repented of their sins or have been baptized in the name of the Lord, which is the only way you can have your sins radically dealt with. I don't know how many of them have been filled with the Spirit, but I dared say 90% or more that are in this house today. And if you haven't been baptized in the name of the Lord, we have water. What does hinder you to be baptized? And you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit today and put on priestly garments today and enter into the Shekinah glory of God. Amen. You can have a new assignment before you leave this house today. Let me tell you what the gospel is. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and all who are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So clergy is educated and holy. Laity means Like Jeff Arnold said, stupid, unlearned, ignorant. In fact, one derivative of the word laity means a crippled limb. Just an ineffective, worthless, dangling arm or an appendage. But that's not what the scripture says you are. You are not a crippled limb on the body of Christ. You are not a throwaway. You are not a token. Come on. I want somebody to believe in the God in you. I want you to believe in the power that he put inside you. I wish somebody would walk out of here today saying, you know what? I'm going to start living differently. I'm going to look at people differently. I'm going to look at situations differently. I don't need to call the pastor. I'll let him know. But if somebody received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their living room while you're teaching them a Bible study, he's not going to have to scrutinize that. You're mature enough to know whether God filled them with the Holy Ghost or 
not. And if it's in the midnight hour and they need to be baptized, I dare say pastor wouldn't mind if you take them out and they say, we need to be baptized right now. We're under conviction. We want to be baptized. Listen, baptism is integral to salvation and it's urgent. And nowhere in the Bible did they stack up baptisms for six months, but they got baptized. The jailer got baptized at night. Cornelius was commanded to be baptized right now. Paul said, then Ananias said to him, why are you tearing? But arise and wash away your sins and be baptized in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something else. Ananias was not a pastor. And he baptized the great Saul of Tarsus, the future apostle Paul. Well, I'm not sure if he was spiritual enough to baptize a man that wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Well, go ahead and live in your tradition and be a doorknob if you want to. I mean, I mean that in a nice Christian way. You can get away with a lot of stuff if you follow it up with a nice... nice, It's like, bless his heart. Everybody all right? I almost got one lady to smile right there. I'm working on her. Everybody smile. We ought to just have a little smile revival here this morning. We grow by 10% in the next six months. We get everybody to smile. You know what? Priests smile because they're filled with the joy of the Lord. It is their strength. So your first temple is right here. The instant that Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn. And that's a message to us. The Lord was saying, I have relocated my holy of holies. These people are taking notes. Man, does that make me feel smart? (laughs) The Lord was saying, I've relocated my, I have a new address. (laughs) I don't dwell in temples made with hands anymore. If he's dwelling here, then who ought we to be? Do you, do you pray in your home? That's the second place where you need to be a priest. Is your home. Everybody say, my home, my home. is a temple. Let me tell you something. Your home is more important than just a place to eat, sleep, and take showers. You need to turn your home, your apartment, your trailer, your tent, whatever you're living in, turn it into a tabernacle, a temple. One, one uh, Sunday school teacher of the third grade class asked the students one morning, said, where does God live? One little third grade girl, she raised her hand, she said, oh, oh, I know where God lives. This teacher said, well, where does he live? She said, he lives in our bathroom. <laughs> the teacher thought, oh, I can't just let this go. She said, how do you know that? She said, well, there's six people in our family, and we just have one bathroom. And every Sunday morning, everybody's trying to get ready for church. And my dad is always pounding on the bathroom door saying, my God, are you still in there? (laughs) Now you know. One Sunday morning, a... Family had just been to church and they're on their way to get something to eat. And six-year-old boy's in the back seat. And he was crying. He was really upset, just causing a problem and pitching a fit. And finally his dad said, son, what's wrong with you? 
He said, well, Dad, you heard the pastor this morning. He said, every child in this church deserves to go home with a family where there's love, peace, and joy. But I want to stay with you guys. Oh, Lord. Turn to somebody and say, oh, Lord. Is your house where you live, is it a temple? Is it a sanctuary? I had a man tell me one time in 30 years of marriage, he never looked forward to going home one time. I don't get that. I don't know. Somebody's not being a priest. Man. If I can just get home to the Queen Marlene, sometimes I'm like, oh, just get me to the front door. Just open that door and slam it behind me. Woo! I made it to the sanctuary. You think I'm kidding? We lived in a house for eight years. We sold it. Lady that bought it, her name was Jamie. She called up Marlene about two weeks after we'd moved out. She said, uh, is this uh, the lady that used to live at 611 Northeast Michael Drive? I said, yes. What's your name? Uh, Marlene. Uh, who's this? Uh, this is Jamie. I'm the lady that bought your house. I said, oh, really? Is everything okay? She said, yes, but who are you people? <laughs> My wife said, what do you mean? She said, no, you don't understand. Who are you? I said, you're right. I don't understand. What's going on? Is, 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 the, is there a crack in the foundation? Is you know, did the roof blow off? Or what happened? She said, you left something behind in this house, and I feel it every time I walk in there. She said, if you were to put one word on it, what would it be? She said, peace. Everybody say peace. Let me tell you something. Peace is not a wimpy word. Peace is probably one of the most underused, underexperienced, listen, weapons of warfare. Peace. Let me tell you what's better than winning a battle. Never having to fight it. Because you walk in peace. You walk in peace. I know some families, they're not getting along unless they're fighting. Priests don't act that way. Priests have spiritual authority. Priests have a sense of the peace of God that, that walks with them. I learned this from my dad. My dad walked in peace. He wouldn't let anybody steal his peace. In fact, my dad was severely mistreated one time in his life and, and Sister Jeannie knows what I'm talking about. And, and it, was, it was a painful time for our family and I went home and, and I was ready to throw down with somebody. I, I, I was ready to get up into somebody's grill in a nice, kind, Christian, holy way. And I said, Dad, this isn't right. I'm going in there. I'm taking over. I'm changing this. I, I don't understand it. I'm crying. He said, oh, son, just calm down. I said, no, dad, this isn't right. You were, this, and I'm going over there and give him a piece of my mind. And my dad said, well, you know what happens if you give away too many pieces of your mind? 
I said, Dad, this isn't time for jokes. He said, well, I'm praying for those people. I said, praying for them? I got a few prayers I'd like to pray. Right out of the Bible. I said, Dad, don't you think you're taking this Christian thing just a little bit too far? I've never heard you say anything bad about anybody my whole life. Now would be a good time. I mean, I'm, I got a, we're, we're Irish and I, it was, my temper was up. And I said, I bet you could say something nice about the devil. He said, well, he's a good one. What's he doing? He's walking in peace. Come on. Peace is powerful. Jesus never said, blessed are the peacekeepers, because that's not possible. But he said, blessed are the peacemakers. You can always bring peace on the scene. Listen, let me do a little pastoral preaching right now. You're going to come up on a brush fire in this church or on social media or in a Sunday school room or the gym or the lunchroom somewhere, and you're going to decide if you're going to pour gasoline on that fire or if you're going to put water on that fire. And I'm going to tell you, if you're a priest, you will not choose the gasoline. You will choose the water. If you're a renegade, if you're a rebel, if you're like, well, that's what I was thinking too, you're not helping the cause. But if you've got a spirit of peace, you're going to take that bucket of water and say, I'm just going to put this fire out right now. I'm just going to take care of this thing right now because I'm walking in peace. Listen, peace is powerful. Paul said, and the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. Come on, somebody just put your foot of peace down right now and just put him under your feet. Say, I'm a priest and I'm walking in peace. I'm a priest of peace and I'm going to walk in my authority. Everybody all right? You believe it? Huh? We're a royal priesthood. Third place. To be a priest is here in this sanctuary. We need to act like priests in here. And a lot of you, I'm not judging anybody. You're doing a great job of that. Priests lead in worship. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. But you know how the Israelites carry that out? The priestly tribe, the Levites, 30 minutes while the sun was coming up, they would face the east. And they would lift their hands. And let me tell you something. A biblical hand raise is not this. That doesn't fit the biblical pattern. It's not this. A lot of creative hand raising. I've seen a few whirly birds that was like helicopters and mowed people down. <laughs> when the Bible says lift up holy hands, it means shoot the hand out. Not half-mast. Shoot the hand out. Come on, try that one time. Oh, that looked good right there. Whoa, I hadn't seen that all morning. Try that one more time. Now open your mouth and praise the Lord. Come on, act like a priest. Shoot the hand out. Come on, worship like a priest. 
Worship like the redeemed. Woo! Yeah. That's right. We're not losers. We've got status. We are saints. We're called for this. We're chosen for this. We're delegated for this. It's time for you to live like a a saint. It's time for you to live like a royal priesthood. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. (laughs) So I'm landing the plane. And just to give you a little hope, would you start playing? (laughs) Hey, I only get here about once every two or three years. Give me a break. I know pastor's already done, but I'm not done yet. So I'm not a theologian, and I'll show you, I'll prove that. I want to show you a picture I have of an apple. See, I, I get real deep. So we got my apple. Isn't that profound? I, I have a, Brother Norman Pasley and I graduated from UGST, but he got his MTS. I just got my MACM. He got the smart degree. I got the, let's get the degree and get out of here degree. (laughs) Hey, I did have a 3.9 too. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I come up with deep things like this. (laughs) Do you know the Wikipedia story? Leave that up there. Do you know that Wikipedia is amazing? But you know that three guys, two guys invented it, but they said, we want every submission on Wikipedia to be by a certified degreed professional, and then we're going to vet it. Do you know how many submissions they got in the first year? 25. They said, now this ain't working. So they shifted their policy. They said, anybody that has any expertise or any accurate knowledge can submit to Wikipedia and the first year they got 75,000 what did they do? they decentralized and simplified and gave access to people that knew something about something this is what God wants to do with the church in the 21st century because that's the way it was in the first century And we bought all this traditional stuff that's not apostolic. I'm going to really blow your mind right now. For some of you, that'll be a small explosion, but I'm just kidding. I meant that in a kind Christian way. This isn't even apostolic. Pews aren't even apostolic. Man, I'm taking everything away now, aren't I? This was invented in the 10th century. What you're sitting in was invented in the 15th century. That's 1,500 years removed from the book of Acts. How did they go from 3,000 to 30,000 to 300,000 to 3 million by the end of the second century? How did they do that? The apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers were equipping everybody. 
for the ministry. Not to come and sit in church and nod their head in approval while the pastor went through his liturgical motions. So what's the point of the apple? When we look at an apple, what do we think about? I'm hungry. That's what I'm thinking about right now. But there's a skin. One of the features of an apple skin and a stem and the, the delicious crispy meat of the apple. And in the middle of the apple is the core. And in the core are the... And how many seeds are in an average apple? I heard four, eight, and a hundred. <laughs> I don't want to bite in that apple. <laughs> about, about four to eight seeds per apple. Google it right now. I'm right. You, know what? you better know what you're talking about today because people can Google. I got stories about that, but anyway. So, <laughs> about five, really five to eight seeds per apple. So let's pretend like the apple is like the Calvary Church right now on Sunday morning. There's the apple, and all, we're all the seeds. We're all the seeds inside the apple, all snuggly, nice. Oh, yeah. How many, apple, how many seeds are in the apple? That's not really the right question. We'll never reach the world if we keep asking that question. Did you know that... There's only 34 million oneness apostolic Pentecostals in the world today. That's like 0.03% of the population. How good of a job are we doing in reaching the whole world with this gospel that we love? I'll tell you why we haven't done it yet. Because we bought the greatest robbery of the church and all those people up there. They do all the ministry and they, they teach all the Bible studies and they, they do all the spiritual stuff. We're not spiritual enough for that. And that's a lie. The real question is not how many seeds are in the apple, but the question ought to be how many apples are in the seeds. If we could just plant you in your community, if we could just plant you with a preaching point, if we could just plant you with a Bible study, come on, if we could just plant you with a connect group, with a life group, come on. Come on, since when do you have to operate in seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit and understand the order of the Melchizedek priesthood before you can operate and live like a priest? I got a master degree and I don't even know anything about the order of the Melchizedek priesthood. Huh? Would you stand with me? I want to, I want, look, listen to this. This is your book of Acts. Ananias, a disciple baptized Saul of Tarsus not the apostles Philip the table waiter started a preaching point in Samaria and he was preaching and he had miracles and he cast out devils and his ministry brought joy to the whole city and they didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet Then his four daughters prophesied. What I wouldn't have given to walk into that house. No wonder Paul sought out Philip's house when he stayed in Caesarea Philippi because Paul knew that house was going to have the prophetic in operation. I told you about the lady that said there was peace. 
about a year ago, we got a new refrigerator, and my wife said the guys came to deliver it, and they're big old burly guys, and they walked in the house, and they said, all right, ma'am, where do you want the refrigerator? And she said, one of those guys was walking through the living room. I'm not making this up. She said, he went like this. Whoa! She said, what is it? He said, ma'am, there's something in this house. Here we go again. It's a different house. We've been in this one 22 years now, about 20 at that time. Man, there's something in this house. She said, what do you mean? He said, oh, I feel something. She said, oh, that. She said, that's the Holy Ghost. He said, ma'am, that's exactly what that is. That's what I feel in this house. Them guys are in and out of houses all day. Come on. You know there's spirits in houses that are invited by the people that live in them. Aunt Philip had four daughters that prophesied. Cornelius, the career military guy, started a church right in his house. He's not a preacher. Stephen the deacon preached the longest sermon in the whole Bible. Not the apostle. Two saints helped Paul escape over the wall in Damascus, let him down in a basket. We don't even know their names, but they saved that ministry. The young girl Rhoda was in the prayer meeting and was the one who was close enough to the door to discover the apostle Peter knocking after his angelic deliverance. When will we stop counting the seeds in the apple and start planting ourselves? One seed can grow an apple tree that produces three to five hundred apples every growing season. This is why we haven't reached the world yet because you're not living like priests. It's time to live like priests. It's time to teach your Bible study. It's time to lay hands on the sick. I'm talking about this front row right here. If you've got faith, listen, if you can pray, then you've got enough faith for a miracle. If you've got enough faith to pray, my son Caleb said that the other day when he's preaching. I thought that was powerful. He said, if you've got faith to pray, you've got faith for a miracle. That's so simple, but it's true. Does anybody today have pain in your body? You've got pain. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've got pain right now. Okay. Thank you for that. Put your hand down. If you would like to be pain-free, and I'm just going to warn you, pastor's not going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. This front row is going to pray for you. So I want all of you kids to come up here. Put your toes right on the front. Right, stand right there. Do you have faith for miracles today? You believe if you lay hands on somebody, God's going to heal them? You believe it? You believe it? You believe it? Do you have faith? Are you going to live like a priest today? Are you a priest? Are you going to do it? You going to do it today? You feel it? Yeah. In fact, you don't even have to feel it. It doesn't have anything to do with feeling. You ready? You ready? You ready? Are you going to be like a priest? You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to come off a 10-day fast. That would be nice. We'll take it. Faith. Grain of mustard seed. If you had pain, and you're not worried about how spiritual the person is praying for you, and you'd like to be healed, I want you to come up here. Because let me tell you something. These kids, they're under the authority of that pastor right there. And you don't have authority unless you're under authority. So come and stand right behind them. About two feet between you and the young person in front of you. You've got pain. Because that pain's going to go. 
Don't, don't leave here with pain. If you're up in the balcony and you've got pain, come on down here. Huh? Pain's going to go. Pain's getting ready to leave because we got a priest. We got the priesthood here. This is going to change some of your life. It's going to change your life. Look at these adults are coming. Pastor, come up here and help me manage this. Amen. This is beautiful. Pain. It's going to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, dear saints of God, for coming forward. I want this entire congregation, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up a mighty voice of prayer. Students, I want you to turn around now, just where you are. Just turn around. These young priests are going to lay your hand on your forehead. Don't worry about how spiritual they are. It doesn't even matter. They all said, we've got faith for you to be healed. Now, if you want a healing right now, I want you to lift your hands. All right, students, I want you to place your hand on their forehead. And I want you to say, by the authority of the word of God, and according to the power of the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go. Command it to go. Come on, church. This is how priests live. This is how priests live. That's it, honey. Believe it. Believe it. These are the priests. Oh, come on. Worship the Lord like a priest right now. Shout like a priest. Worship like a priest. Every battle you won. I am who you say I am. You crown. Listen, listen for a minute. I believe in praying and asking because I can't heal anybody. I can't, I can't, I can't heal anybody. You folks that came forward for prayer and you had pain in your body. All right, just listen for a minute now. Listen for a minute. Everybody calm down. You came forward, you had pain, but the pain is gone. Check your body. Is it gone? Lift your hand if it's gone. There's one right there. It's gone. It's gone. Anybody over here, the pain gone? Check your body. Come on. It's gone. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. We're going to pray again. It's not gone yet. Come on, another wave of faith. Another wave. I want three of you young ladies where two or three agree. She said the pain's still there. It's going to go right now. This is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Pray for her. Come on. I'll take better. I'll take better. Jesus name. There's no reason why that pain shouldn't leave right now. There it goes. Come on. It's out of here. We agree. Jesus name. Lord, finish the miracle now. Finish the miracle now right here. Finish that miracle. Come on, I want you to act like a priest and reach over and put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder and pray. Act like a priest. You're the priesthood of believers.
I want you to find somebody near you. Just you feel comfortable, put your hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray together. It's a body of believers. Priesthood of believers. You want to share with somebody maybe something they can pray with you about? I want you to take a moment here. I want you to just share with them maybe something they can pray specifically about. We're going to pray together. It's a body of believers. Just take a moment here. Amen. Amen. God, we come to you now. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is so clear, so empowering to us. I pray right now, God, that we would rise up and be who you're calling us to be. That we would not settle for less. We would not settle for, God, a a second-rate Christianity, Lord. But we would be everything that you're calling us to be. We would not be afraid, Lord. God, to do what you're asking us to do, to go where you're asking us to go, to speak what you're asking us to say. God, we pray, Lord, right now as a body of believers that you would heal, you would touch, you would deliver, Lord. God, we give you glory today. We give you glory today. We give you glory today. God, open our eyes, open our hearts, God, to see what you're calling us to be, what you're calling us to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, let the Lord use you right now. Let the Lord use you to pray for somebody, to pray encouragement. Give them a word of wisdom. Give them a word of knowledge. Pray faith with faith. Oh, God. God, let us walk with confidence, not with confidence in who we are, confidence in and of ourselves, but confidence that only comes from you. It only comes from being in your presence and knowing, Lord, what you're asking us to do. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Send us. Send us. I want you to lift your hands like he told us to lift our hands. And I want you to say, Lord, send me. Send me this week. Send me into your purpose. Send me into your plan. Send me into the job, Lord, with a mission. Send me, God, into my school, Lord. Let me feel the calling. Let me feel the weight of your anointing on my life. Oh, God, use us today. Use us, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, let us live like we are priests. Let us live, Lord, like we're called out. Let us live, Lord, like you've separated us for your holy work in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Such a timely, timely message for us as a congregation and what I feel like the Lord is moving us to 
And I've mentioned that a few times, what I feel like he's put in my heart for this fall and what we're going to be teaching and sharing and moving us to. I, I thank God for his word today. Thank you for responding to the word of God. This is an amazing church, and uh, I am thankful for your faith and your just absolute surrender to the work and the word of God in your life and to our guests that are with us today. We honor you. We thank you for being here. We hope that you'll come back if you're a guest and you'd like to talk to us. We have a guest reception just out here in the foyer, and we'd love to talk to you about your walk with God and how you can continue to make steps towards him. Amen. I hope I hope that you'll do everything you can to be here tonight or to be at Grace Point Church tonight at 6 p.m. And uh, it is just going to be a great, great time. Bishop Stan Gleason will be preaching in that service as well. And uh, I just want us to really just make a statement to the enemy that we are a united church in this city and in this region. And I am so thankful for uh, just the work of God that's happening here among us. So do everything you can to be here tonight or be at Grace Point tonight. And Wednesday, Kristen will continue uh, her series on Psalm 23 and a tremendous uh, lesson this past Wednesday at Growth University. So make sure you're here for that. We have youth and children's on Wednesday night. It's a great night to come. And we call it family. It's family dinner time. We come together and we just partake of the word of God. So that's at 730. And uh, next Sunday is our life group launch. So make sure you're a part of that. Why don't you find somebody you haven't talked to yet today? Maybe you haven't even met them. Tell them how glad you are to see them at the Calvary Church. God bless you. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.